Uh, today's reading is from Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 1, and you can find that on page 1672 of the Church Bibles. So starting at verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Great, thank you. Leave your Bibles open there. And um, I've got to say, when Gita and I, you know, planted Trinity Church Brighton with about 40 people, we thought that was the coolest church, but this is the coolest church in so many different ways. So um, you're doing great here, guys. Keep it up. We've loved the warm welcome. And um, yeah, really looking forward to getting to know more of you over uh, a morning tea. The coffee's not bad too either. So uh, yeah, doing all right. Uh, So encouraging to be here. And thanks again so much, Cam, for the very generous and warm welcome and the opportunity to share about, um, well, it's really God's mission outside of our our back door. So um, No one's ever been to Siberia? I'm just going to start off thinking about Siberia. Uh, It encompasses two-thirds of Russia. has 40 different language groups. uh, If you're going to go and try to share Christ in Siberia, uh, minus 68 degrees. Okay, it's pretty cold there. Uh, But why are Christians going the distance to take God's word to Siberia in Russia of all places? This beautiful quote, which captures, I think... Uh, the why of Acts and and the why uh, of us this morning, from Vladimir Leonov. We believe that even here in Siberia, at the true ends of the earth, nothing can stop the Word of God. That only God and His living Word are capable of transforming people's lives. Do you believe that? Are you convinced? Are you sold out? Whether in Siberia or in regional, rural and remote Australian communities, 
or in the suburbs around Tonsley. The book of Acts teaches us that nothing can stop the word of God advancing in God's world because everyone needs to hear the word of God if they are to understand, believe in the name of Jesus and be saved. The question I want us to think about this morning in particularly for you guys, if we were to come back in 12 months' time, uh, or let's imagine three years' time, what does good look like for Trinity Church Tonsley? What might a biblically healthy Trinity Church Tonsley look and feel like and sound like in 12 months or in three years' time? Let's get into this passage from, uh, from Acts. Of course, the story of Acts is the story of God's Acts, isn't it? The story, particularly, of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Acts or the preaching of the Apostles. It tells God's story of the early church. After the risen Jesus has ascended to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit on the Apostles back in Acts chapter 2, uh, and speaking in tongues, etc. But particularly to equip them with the power of God to be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now, if analogically Trinity Church Tonsley is, is looking after you know, the Jerusalem, the suburbs around Tonsley, Jerusalem, you've got amazing organisations like CMS looking after sort of the nations at ends of the earth overseas. Think of BCA as that beautiful little mission organisation looking after the sort of Judea, Samaria parts in between. Acts chapters 10 and 11 is known as the Gentile Pentecost, which as, as we heard, um, God pours out the Holy Spirit uh, on Gentile believers. I like to think of it as one of uh, histories, the history of the world, not just biblical history, but the history of our world. I like to think of Acts 10 and 11 as one of the most major hinges in history that has changed our world, has shaped our world today. Just think with me, for without this act of the Holy Spirit, we likely wouldn't be Christian. This Gentile Christian church probably wouldn't be here. And I think it explains why Luke gives um, almost two chapters uh, and there's so much repetition in Acts chapters 10 and 11. And what I've done is to to chunk um, our reading from Acts uh, chapter 11 under three headings sort of deeply disturbing news, Peter's divine defence, a church convinced and converted. So let's get into it, Uh, deeply disturbing news. The chapter opens with this, doesn't it? Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticised him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, I don't know when you were last shocked by some news that you, you know, had heard about someone who you thought you knew really well and you thought, what? No way. No. No, that, that's nothing. That, really? That, that's sort of what's gone on here. You see, the news has hit the, the Jewish uh, Christian church there in Jerusalem, that Gentiles are becoming Christian. But notice the reaction is not like, whoa, that's fantastic, Gentiles are becoming Christian. Now, what gets their attention is Peter for staying many days in the house of a Gentile and eating with him and his rallies. Now, to understand why this reaction and, and why, um, I don't know if you've ever appreciated this, like read through your New Testament and notice how often 
um, the issues around circumcision and food and, and all these sorts of things actually come up. Why are they so front and centre um, in the New Testament? Well, let me give you a little bit of background. You see, from the beginning, when God called Abram in Genesis 12, God's purpose for Israel was very simple. You guys are actually, I'm going to bless you guys, so you show what a blessing it is to be in relationship with God to the nations. I want you guys to be, you know, salt and light, to be like a lighthouse to the nations around you, um, to be attractive to them. And so God saved his people out of Egypt to be God's holy people, set apart for his glory, set apart from the nations, so distinct from the nations, but in order through whom God would reach the nations. And so to help mark out his people, to identify them, to help protect them from uh, all the gods of the pagan nations around them, their practices like child sacrifice and all sorts of inhumane sorts of things and you know, other things, intermarriage, that would, would cause them to sort of, um, I guess, apostatize and be like the nations. What God did is he instituted food laws, declaring many uh, of the animals and foods of the nations unclean. What this means is that if you were a Jewish person and you ate the food of an uncircumcised non-Jewish person in their house, for example, it would cause you to become unclean and defiled and impure. It would make you ritually and socially excluded and unacceptable from being part of the, the community and being able to access and participate in worship. And so things like menstrual and sexual discharges, skin disruptions like leprosy, touching dead people as well, unclean evil spirits... These are some of the other things, the lists along in Leviticus that had to, would defile and make unclean a Jewish person, along with the food laws as well. And it's interesting that archaeological evidence uh, from the first century reveals that a real preoccupation that first century Jews of Jesus' day had with purity and ritual washings. They've discovered that in most Jewish homes in the basement or somewhere was a cleansing bath. You've got the pools of Bethesda and Siloam mentioned in the gospel in Jerusalem that, again, used for ritual cleansing for the thousands of Jews coming in three times a year for the annual festivals, for them to ritually wash in. You see, for every Jew every day, back in Jesus' day, is dominated by whether they were clean or unclean what they were eating and, and whether they were defiled or pure and acceptable and um, you know, what sort of state of purity they might have been in according to the law of Moses. Now, these are the laws and rituals and traditions that the Jewish Christians of Acts have grown up with, but also uh, religious leaders have written books of commentaries on over the years and, and, and created more laws. And it's, it's why Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, touching lepers and, and dead people, it gets such a reaction in the gospel from the Jewish leaders. They're not reacting at his miracles, they're reacting at, oh, but he's breaking the law here, he's doing this. And this is why the news of Peter eating and staying with Gentiles gets the reaction it does. Now, this is alien to our Western ears, you know, I, I, I get it. But as, as we think about what this means for us towards the back end of this morning, just keep that there, just keep that there and we'll come back to it. And so what we do now is we come to Peter's divine defence of why he was doing what he was doing. And it's, I've called it Peter's divine defence because it's just Peter defending uh, the works of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? 
Now, we're not in Jerusalem. We're in a regional city of Judea called Caesarea. Uh, it was like the Canberra of its day. Caesarea was sort of the centre of Roman administration in the Judean providence. Um, back in chapter 10, it begins with this guy called Cornelius. He's an Italian. He's in a centurion, which means he's a captain of 100 soldiers in Caesarea. And we, we hear that he's a God-fearer. He prays to Yahweh. He's generous to others, um, you know, in, in, in Caesarea. But yet still as an uncircumcised Roman Gentile, Cornelius, he was still viewed as defiled and unclean, spiritually contagious like having COVID. Do you remember what it was like in the early days? Well, you, just, you really did keep the distance. What, you got COVID? No way. Or people weren't wearing masks or whatever it is. It's... Acts 10 and 11 is the risen and reigning Jesus teaching his church then and now about how all the food laws and other laws of Moses no longer apply in light of the gospel. And so Jesus interrupts with two visions. The first one uh, is three o'clock in the afternoon um, where this unclean, spiritually contagious Gentile centurion called Cornelius, he's told by an angel of heaven to send for this guy called Peter um, at Simon the Tanner's house uh, in a town about, about a day's travel away in Joppa. And so he does. Well, anyway, the next day, it's about 12 noon, and there's the Apostle Peter. He's up on the roof fasting. He's praying on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house when God gives him a vision. And really, it's a vision of the Adelaide Zoo descending on a massive large sheet. That's what you sort of got to imagine. Reptiles, animals, birds descending, not once, but three times. And the Lord's voice commanding Peter to get up and eat. And you've got to love Peter the way he just says, what, Jesus, no way, no way will you die. <laughs> well, here he is again, not once but three times. No way, Lord, no way am I about to break all the Jewish laws I've grown up with, all the social and cultural conventions I've grown up with. I'm not about to defile myself and eat these unclean animals. And it happens three times, the voice that is sent going up, you know, down and up. And three times the voice says to Peter... Don't call unclean what God has made clean. Now, Peter's pondering about what does this mean when suddenly the two Gentile uh, servants and the Roman soldier that Cornelius, Cornelius has sent to uh, see if Peter would come back with them, well, they rock up outside his gate just at that moment. And the Holy Spirit says to Peter at that moment, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I've sent them. Next day, Peter and six other Jew, Jewish Christians walk through the door of Cornelius's house, this pagan Gentile's house. Surprise! It's a surprise party. You ever had a surprise party thrown for you? I did it once for Gita. She said, don't ever do that again. Um, but it is because, you see, Cornelius has got the word out to his relatives, his close friends. His house is full, knowing that this Peter is going to come with a message that they need to hear. They need to hear. And notice where Peter begins. He says to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. You see, his whole frame of mind, his whole worldview, is, it's so profoundly shaped. It's, that this is, you're just well aware. But then he says this, but God, 
But God has shown me that I should not call any person impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. It's a beautiful story again. Here is, you know, I love the way with Apostle Peter, you just see it all. It, it, you know, he's not ashamed of the laundry to hang it out there. Yep, I did that. Yeah, I can't said that. Um, but here, here he is. He's no longer objecting, but obeying God. And so chapter 10, verses 34, 35, Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Have you realised that about your Lord and Saviour yet? He doesn't play favourites. That's, that's actually the reason you're here. <laughs> See, what's Peter realised? There's no partiality in God, that Jesus is a favouritism-free zone. Jesus' people are saved to be a favouritism-free zone community. When it comes to who needs to be invited to hear the gospel. There's no racism, no sexism, no ageism, no, no classism. Because just everyone needs the name of Jesus. And I don't know if you've realised this yet, but it's why... And look, if you, if you decide to go travelling country, um, you decide travelling overseas, there's no better community a human being can experience um, acceptance an unconditional love and welcome and hospitality than a local church. I don't know, has, has anyone moved here recently? I don't know, interstate or overseas? I mean, it's, that is, this is who we are to be, first and foremost, where we just don't play favourites with people. So Peter realises that God wants him to preach the gospel to Cornelius and everyone gathered. And this is what he, what he says, I've got a a chunk of it here from, from Acts 10. He says, We are witnesses of all that Jesus did, how they put Jesus to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised Jesus on the third day and made him to appear to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. Notice the testimony here. It's, this is grounded in, in, in eyewitness testimony of history. And Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone, anyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, I don't know where you're at in life. You're thinking about faith and, and Jesus. But do you know this? That even this morning you could come to Jesus and, and receive forgiveness for all, all that you've done or ever will do that, that is dishonouring and displeasing to, to God. To leave here knowing that you are fully accepted forever by Jesus. But do we believe it? That, that it's Jesus he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead for all humanity of all nations. Do you, do you believe that? How does it shape your prayers, sober them, shape our diaries, our plans? But then, isn't it beautiful, sentence 43, everyone who believes in Jesus, this side of their death, is promised forgiveness of their sin through his name. Not judgment, 
but forgiveness and acceptance. And friends, there is no other religion or God or philosophy dishing out this sort of forgiveness and acceptance, a full pardon, just Jesus, just Jesus. Again, do you believe this? Which brings us to that third point, a church converted and convinced. Acts 10 and 11 record three convincing conversions with a question mark over the fourth. The first convincing conversion, of course, is Cornelius and all of his household, isn't it? God pours the Holy Spirit out on on everyone there who believes on the name of Jesus. Wow, men, women and children. And and then they proceed to baptise them with water. That that public um, declaration that, yes, we're Christian, we believe. And again, it would be remiss of me to ask if you have become a Christian yet. What must you do to be saved? It's interesting, isn't it? We're told Cornelius is a respected man um, of society. Uh, he prays to God, gave money to help God's people. But yet, it wasn't enough. Just a reminder that there is no resume, no CV, that's ever can actually save us from death to life, to save us to eternal life in heaven. It's only the resume or CV of Jesus that's perfect. No, no, Cornelius still needed to hear the gospel message to repent and believe in Jesus to be saved. And what that means is, you know, I don't know, maybe some of you have have spent time in prison. I mean, I don't know, but whether you're a criminal or a Cornelius, whoever you are and whatever you've done, Jesus has paid the debt for all of your sin in full when he died on his cross. And if you do want to explore the truth further, please do not leave here without talking to Cam or Kelly or, or come and talk to me but, or someone who brought you along. Well, that's the first convincing conversion, isn't it? But the second convincing uh, conversion is Peter and his six Jewish travellers. Now, let me say, they're already Christian, okay? Peter and the other six Jewish Christians with him, they'd heard Jesus' command to take the gospel to the nations in Jer- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth, back in Acts eight. But what have they really heard? See, I, I think Acts 10 and 11 help us to appreciate um, that to be human is to have biases, is to have prejudices. We're all shaped uh, by where we're born, how we're raised, the culture we're in. We're children of our culture. Uh, we've all got them. Peter and his six Christian mates, see, they're children of Jewish culture, aren't they? And so when they heard that command from Jesus they heard to go and take the gospel to the dispersed scattered nations of Israel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth I I suspect I don't know about you I quite enjoy hanging out with people who are sort of like me especially when I'm tired (laughs) you know they're like old lounge chair relationships you know you fall into them you know, and, and just you might not even realise you do it, but we do it. Part of our biases is we, we just naturally, oh, yeah, you're sort of like me, you sound like me, you went to uni, um, you did this, or maybe you sort of live in a similar sort of house. Or, but, you know, we, we just do it. We just do it. The conversion going on here, I think, for Peter isn't to become a Christian, but it's actually that convincing and conversion uh, that uh, this is not a tribal gospel. This is a gospel for every person on the planet, for every tribe, every nation, every tongue. It's a conversion to an all-nations gospel perspective. 
And again, read through the letters of Paul, you know, and see how much this comes up. And I'll just give you an example. It's called the Ephesian moment that Paul writes about in Ephesians 2, 11 to 15. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you had no hope being without God in the world. But in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, far off from the covenant promises of Israel, far off from the commonwealth, you're far off. But you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. You see, the whole world was divided up. There was the Jews and the Gentiles. But by the cross, God's made the whole... There's only one family. There's this, there's this new third category of humanity. They're called Christian. No longer Jew or Gentile, just Christian or not Christian. For he is our peace, who has made us both one. He's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, including the ones we've talked about this morning, all the food laws, abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man, one humanity in place of the two, and so making peace between people but also with God. It's a beautiful summary of what Acts 10 and 11 are all about. And so the third conversion, as we heard in Acts uh, chapter 11, is the Jewish Christians and leadership back in Jerusalem, that they need this convincing and converting as well. You know, you went into the house of an uncircumcised people and ate with them. What? And Peter's justification is beautifully summarised in verse 17 of chapter 11. If then God gave the same gift of the Holy Spirit to them as he gave to us, back in Acts 2, when we believed in the name of the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could not do what God told me to do and walk through that Gentile door? And then finally, the, the Christian Jewish leadership in Jerusalem aren't grumbling about who Peter's hanging out with and eating with, but convinced and converted by Peter's testimony, they glorified God finally, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance and leads to life. It's why it's such great news. It should be just celebration. Everyone, every time you hear, someone becomes a Christian. But again, it just you know, it gives us pause about old ingrained attitudes and habits and behaviours. And we've, we've all got them, especially when you're tired and, and, you know, and you, you unplug your brain for a moment. You just sort of fall back into those, don't you? Isn't it fascinating? Read, read Galatians. You get to Galatians chapter 2 and, and, and the Apostle Peter has rocked up to Antioch, right? And, you know, there's the Jewish Christians, the Gentile Christians, and, and the Jewish Christians are sort of eating over here, you know, and, and, and Peter goes and joins with them. He, segregate, he goes and separates himself from the Gentiles and eats with the Jews. And publicly, the Apostle Paul gives him a dressing down. Now, here's the thing. You think, when in the chronology of Acts does this occur? Well, it actually occurs after Acts 10 and 11. And so, and so, again, the penny still hadn't dropped. There were still habits and, and behaviours that, that, that Peter needed help but to be transformed with by the power of the word. And so we come to the last conversion that's got the question mark over it. And that's the convincing and conversion of Trinity Church Tonsley to this all-nations agenda. 
heaven opening, the Spirit descending on Gentiles just like Jews. There's no greater or louder way for heaven to pronounce that God does not play favourites. He does not play favourites with people. In the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit does something, it usually results in radical, subversive, countercultural hospitality being shown to people who wouldn't normally talk or eat or hang out with each other. And so just like for Jewish people in Jesus' day, so for people from a Muslim culture and background. In fact, so for most people coming out of a non-Western culture, their day is profoundly shaped and dominated by what food they've had, by body fluids, whether they're in a state of ritual purity or defilement, whether they are ritually and socially clean or unclean. Maura, Maura Dale um, used to work at St Andrew's Hall. I had the privilege of being there for three months when I finished up at Brighton, went over there and did the cross-cultural training. Um, she shares a story, um, actually in multicultural Melbourne. <laughs> she was a missionary in Europe, with, uh, in, in Egypt for 10 years. She's visiting a Muslim friend of hers in a hospital in Melbourne, right? She notices the Quran next to her bed. And, and so she says to her, she says, oh, you know, are you reading the Quran? And, and the woman replies, I've got my period. And you, she asks, do you read your Bible when you're menstruating and unclean? A Christian man shares how he was standing outside his church waiting for a young Muslim man, who, you know, coming to check it out, but he was late. And he comes up and says, oh, I'm so sorry. I've just had sexual intercourse and I have not yet had the chance to ritually wash myself. Is it still okay for me to come inside the church? And, and, and this Christian man was reflecting that this guy's biggest problem in his mind wasn't the illicit sex he just had. <laughs> it was whether he was ritually defiled or unclean. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is because, friends, these are the people from the nations that are everywhere in our suburbs, in our cities, and in the country towns who need the gospel of Jesus. You see, what does it mean for our shared mission around Tonsley and in country Australia and overseas? Let me just... Again, I want read through Luke's Gospel. Notice how often the language of clean or unclean purity is used. See, such is Jesus' holiness and purity in the Gospels. What we see with Jesus is contagion reversed. The unclean made clean and the defiled purified. I'm not talking about viruses here, okay? Please don't misquote me. <laughs> the Gospels report of Jesus such that Jesus' purity is so beautiful and so powerful that whoever or whatever he touches or comes into contact with are immediately made clean and pure. Just think with me, rather than Jesus becoming defiled or uncleaned when he's eating with sinners and tax collectors or touching an unclean leper or um, touching someone overrun with unclean spirits, they're not called evil spirits, they're called unclean spirits because they make the land unclean people unclean when a woman who's bleeding touches him jesus all-powerful and beautiful holy purity is more contagious 
and so makes people immediately unclean and even brings the unclean dead back to life. And, and so we really do have the gospel of good news for the people of the nations that God is bringing to this country. Might Acts 10 and 11 be God's cattle product to some of us this morning to begin to pray for God to open our eyes, to see people around us as Jesus sees them, to, to beg God to please move our hearts with something of the compassion that moved Jesus to took him to his cross for us, Matthew 9. Just the people in your street, your suburb, in the cafes, um, to get to know, to invite, to share a meal with. But, but who are these people? Well, I did a bit of research um, based on the 2021 census data. Here's a, a snapshot of just three suburbs around Tonsley. St Mary's, about 3,000 people. Did you know that people speak over 53 different languages? They're from 85 different ancestries. Well, what about uh, Clobelly Park, Mitchell Park? Look at Mitchell Park. 124 different ancestries and cultures. Friends, just like Cornelius got people together to hear the good news of Jesus, to explain to them, this, I know it is, I know can't, this is such a beautiful watering hole, a beautiful community of grace and acceptance for people to be invited to and loved and welcomed and helped to understand just how beautiful and powerful the Word of God is to transform people's lives. That in Jesus... They are made clean and pure forever. I asked a question at the beginning, what might a biblically healthy church here look like in 12 months, in three years' time? Well, not just one growing and where people are becoming Christian. But where Sunday by Sunday you walk in and what you notice is there's people are increasingly different from you. There's more and more people coming here who are just different. They look different, sound different, they eat different, speak different languages. Because Tonsley is reaching the nations around them. But what about regional, rural, remote Australia? Again, just as a comparison. You've got Darwin. Again, similar profiles. You've got Roxby Downs, Murray Bridge. And, and, and that's, that's the point. Wherever we go, there are the nations, there are people who need this gospel, who need to be saved out of the laws, the slavery that it is, where your whole day is just dominated and defined by whether you're pure and acceptable or not. And There's over 7 million people now residing in regional, rural and remote communities in Australia. With COVID, the number of people moving to these places, it's increased by almost 300% out of capital cities. No matter their race, religion, culture, skin colour, age, no matter how far they live from a capital city, friends, shouldn't they also have the right to hear the good news of Jesus? To have someone who can help teach them the Bible, who can help maybe start and grow and pastor a faith community? We heard how hard it was for Gita and her family coming to Port Augusta. It's like that in so many places in Australia. You might not realise this. Most of you here that have sat in good Bible teaching churches, you already are equipped and know more than people in these communities. Where if you chose to go and live and work in some of these places, you could help 
start or run a church, to pastor a people. I was on the phone this week to some farmers at Oruru, along with them and two other farmers. They help run the church here at Oruru with, with a visiting pastor. I was down at Mid-Year Conference this week, uh, meeting up with about 14 students, some from the country, some going on placement with their courses in the country, some um, wanting to go and live and work in the country. And we're looking at starting a Bush Uni graduate scheme where we, we, you know, we're inviting students, people who want to come uh, and start to pray for the regions, but also to be helped and supported and equipped to go and live and work as tent maker missionaries in these communities. It's just one of the, the initiatives going on. But for, for today, the invitation is just please will you pray? Please just will you sign up just to start praying? Start praying, and if so, moved yet to start giving. But possibly even to think about going, even you, going for a season. Let me pray for us. Father, we're just reminded in uh, Acts 4.12 um, where, again, Peter's preaching to, to the Jewish leadership um, of the nation that there is no other name by which any person can and must be saved because no other name has been given from heaven by which a person can be saved. Now, Father, it's the reason uh, we're here, the reason uh, it matters that Trinity Church, has, uh, Tonsley's been planted, that so many more churches are planted in the suburbs of this city, but also in the regions and the rural and remote communities as well. I want to really pray you would help everyone here to know the blessing and the joy um, of being greatly used by you to see this gospel message make massive progress uh, into the streets and suburbs around Tonsley, but also further afield as well, Father. And Father, we just pray that it's only in your strength that this can happen, and it's only by your grace that we are here. And so I just give thanks and pray for your people here at Tonsley. Please bless them, grow them, uh, invigorate them. Uh, please use this community to be a massive blessing to the nations around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.